Before you know it, she talks. Before you know it, she walks. Before you know it, she knows you. Before you know it, she has a heart. Before you know you're pregnant, when your baby's no bigger than a grain of rice. Before she's a twinkle in your eye, that's when you need to take folic acid every day. After that, it's too late to prevent some serious birth defects. Folic acid now, before you know it.
knees The enemy on my back beat me down to my knees Lord please, somebody needs to help him When I see him he will have to learn a lesson I'm not stressing, I'ma get straight to the point Why the devil looking mad and really annoyed Cause he knows the power we possess Is the type that lays demons to rest Yes I'm blessed and I'm covered with God's grace Forget trying to get our buddy buddy in my face I got the holy heat strap cocked ready to blow All the enemy has to say is when they wanna go I'ma give you a gospel threat Ain't no relaxing Once the Bible cracks open, man, that's what's happening We're God chosen at work, yo, we ain't playing Everybody knows where the enemy will be laying Games, changes, and fears When will they go from here? When will they stop? I believe that faith has brought us here And we should be together, Lord But we're not I play it off, but I'm dreaming of you And I'll keep my cool, but I'm feeling I try to say goodbye and I choke I try to walk away and I stumble Though I try to hide it, it's clear My world crumbles when you are not near Goodbye and I choke I walk away and I stumble Though I try to hide it, it's clear My world crumbles when you are not near I may appear to be free, but I'm just a prisoner, Lord, of your love. And I may seem alright and smile when you leave, but my smiles are just a front, just a front. Hey, I play it off, but I'm dreaming of you. Keep my cool, but I'm feeling. I try to say goodbye and I choke. I walk away and I stumble. Though I try to hide it, it's clear. My world crumbles when you are not near. Goodbye and I choke. Walk away and I stumble. Though I try to hide it, it's clear. My world crumbles when you are not near And here is my confession May I be your possession Boy, I need your touch Your love kisses and such War with all my heart I try But this love I can't deny I just can't Though I try to hide it, it's clear 
My world crumbles when you are not near Goodbye and I show Walk away and I stumble Though I try to hide it, it's clear My world crumbles when you are not near Chapter 3, 1 John, verse 11, love one another. This is a message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another, just as Christ loves the church. Love is but a song we sing, is the way we die. You can make the mountains ring, or make the angels Though the bird is on the wing And you may not know why Come on, people now Smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right now may come and some may go, we shall surely pass. When the one that left us here returns for us at last, we are but a moment's sunlight fading in the grass. Now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another right now. Come on, people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another right now. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to do the same for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in him? Let us not love with our words or tongue, but with our actions and in truth. Come on, people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another right now. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, he knows everything. He knows everything. If you hear the song I sing, you will understand. You hold the key to love and fear, all in your trembling hands. 
Just one key unlocks them both It's there at your command Come on people now Smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right now Come on people now Smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right now Come on people now Smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right now Right now Right now Well hello everyone Happy New Year 2024 This is Dr. Shirley Cannon Or some of you may know me as Chaplain Dr. Shirley Caniff, okay? And um, welcome to, I believe we're in the 13th edition, technically, second season, all right, of um, the New Kingdom Warriors and uh, the Joshua Connection, hosted by Victorious Anomalies. I can't forget them because that's how we started. That's what the logo is all about. Um, uh, community NFT project projects and new and the new wine uh, music creations, which is we're trying to get into that realm of uh, creating music with you know behind an NFT, and uh, it is spearheaded by you've had a we've had, you've you've heard him talk on um on this show uh, from time to time. Uh, Michael Morgan, also known as RLA, okay, and uh, he's all the way out in the um, on the uh, <laughs> West Coast, and I'm on the East Coast, you know. So it is all good. Uh, we are creating a way. We're just, you know, just uh, going to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, and just asking um, Him to download what He wants for us. First of all, we have to offer our lives to Him as a pleasing sacrifice. You know, as a pleasing sacrifice. And all the Holy Spirit is, he's a third person in the Trinity, but he's the Spirit of God sent to us here on the earth through Jesus Christ to what bring us into spirit and truth, but also to um, start the church. He's been with us here on the earth, well, probably before the foundations of the earth were laid. He's, he was always, because he was part of the, the Word, you know, made flesh. Um, Jesus, um, he was with Jesus, speaking the world into existence. But uh, in the new dispensation, he sent the Holy Spirit to us to be our advocate, to be our comforter, to live on the inside of us if we let him. You know, he's a gentleman. He will not go anywhere where he's not wa wanted and welcomed. And we welcome him through worship. Yes, the worship. That's why the book of Psalms is so powerful. It's King David's psalm unto the Lord, or song unto the Lord, in a, no matter what state he was in, whether he was depressed, um, full of anxiety, or joyful. Okay? So, we are here. This is also um, the year of the open door. Has been prophesied very, 
you know, many, 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 many times by very many times or many, many times, many, 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 which is very, <laughs> very many. That's not good English, but you know what? That's okay. This is my show. Well, this is the Lord's show. Um, um, I've partnered with the Holy Spirit to um, do what he's called me to do. And uh, it's, it's all good. It's all God. And it's all about establishing an identity in him, right? We are his voice. We are his voice going to and fro throughout the earth with him, not apart from him. For apart from him, we can do nothing. So I have a couple of scriptures I want to um, read before we go into uh, this show, which it's 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 gonna it's gonna be based on the collective healing of trauma in marginalized in a society where people are marginalized. How about that? And this is in honor of Black History Month. Um, Dr. Shirley is African American, but I'm also many other things. I am Cape Verdean, which brings it all together, uh, representing different. Uh, uh, people groups from different parts of the world. It's kind of like the United Nations. Irish. Uh, we got some German in there. We got some Greek in there. We have some Pujambi East Indian in there, as well as three Indian tribes from um, America. We got some Chinese in there, Japanese. Yeah. And oh my gosh, um, all the way up north there. Uh, the, um, what are those people that. Uh, Swedish, um, I forgot what they called um, uh, there. What's that, Jeff? Yeah, Swedes, but there is something else that they call the group of people up there because of the S. But if if Doctor Shirley remembers it, I'll come back into uh, in in the middle of this um, of the, the this introduction, and uh, we will and then I'll. Uh, I will. Slavic. Yeah, yeah, Slavic, Slavic. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Anyways, um, I just want to call upon the Holy Spirit. Um, after I read, I have a book called Daily Meditations with the Holy Spirit. And maybe before I pray, let's pray that prayer of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, for the hearts of thy faithful and kindle with us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Holy Spirit and we shall be recreated and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the gift of the same Spirit we may be truly wise and forever rejoice in his consolation. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Yes, you do hear a little bit of a hoarse voice. Dr. Shirley's been hashing out those chords, um, singing with the Lord, flipping songs from the kingdom, songs from the 60s, that, uh, and some songs from the new millennium that should have, you know, that had, that had tinges of Holy Spirit, um, Holy Spirit hot in it. And the Lord just said, I wanted that person to sing the song for me. Um, and uh, so I would go into Smule, find the songs, and uh, co-labor with the Holy Spirit. 
and turn them into worship songs. And I would get blessed. My husband would get blessed. And other people would get blessed. But um, I was trying to hang with uh, Natasha Bedenfield uh, on the song Unwritten. Because we are truly written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And uh, from Revelations. But the, what the Lord does is he, he, if we're transitioning from the world and worldly ways to the kingdom. Uh, through receiving him as Lord and Savior. And we'll, um, we will dedicate today, February 3rd, Saturday, February 3rd, uh, for this uh, before we go into the rest of the show. Uh, we are, he, unwrite, he, he unwrites the narrative that the enemy has for us in the world. And as we give ourselves to the Lord, he writes us uh, in, into the book of life. Actually, um, he already wrote us into the book of life, but we had to be born into this earth uh, in the uh, original sin before we get baptized. And it's up to our parents when we're babies. The Catholic Church believes that when we, get, when we baptize fa- um, babies or families, like in the book of Acts, um, all, all in one accord, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives with the individual and the family members to collect collectively. Um, you know, as family members, and and then you know we we grow as a community uh, within the family unit. But a lot of times, uh, people's families are not the way that God wants them when they're first born. So, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit reserves that grace for when the person turns, uh, grows up, and um, and comes into the age of reason, which is seven and up. And um, it gives us a revelation, and the, like it, he did with me when I was six, and I received um, Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I made up my mind that I wanted to be baptized. I had some renewal baptisms since then, but um, as I would come into different places in the Holy Spirit, so um, we did. We invited the Holy Spirit. Now let's read from uh, a daily meditation with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, this is from John 3, 5. Amen, amen. I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit, like I just talked about. And let's let's reflect on this. What What is that? Um, so Jesus here speaks of two things. Being necessary to enter into the kingdom of God. One of them must be born of water, which we just talked about, either with the family or individual, uh, which means to receive as a, the, the Catholic Church does acknowledge the baptism as a sacrament, right? To receive the sacrament of baptism so that one might make a, pub, a public commitment or witness to Christ. One must also be born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, a spiritus sanctus in, in, in um, Latin, to be renewed in one's heart, because that's where the kingdom resides, by the breath of God. So I just want to pray right now that, uh, Lord, and I'm going to put me into it because I'd like to renew my commitment to you every day, collectively with those who you chose to come to listen to this podcast. May May my commitment to you, Lord, and everybody that listens to this podcast be seen in both what I do what we do, what they do, and who I am and who they are and who we are. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Have you seen The Chosen yet? February 1st was season um, four's premiere. Uh, 
at the your local theater. So me and my husband went to the showcase theater. We thought we were going to be by ourselves because it didn't look like there was a, a big crowd there. And uh, but the, the, there was someone that we bumped into in uh, from when we did our ministry inside the church. Uh, we actually lived on church property. We, uh, the Lord used our rent to finance a life teen program uh, for ten years, right, Jeff? Ten years, and uh, one of the people that uh, was there was from that time era, and she didn't age, and I didn't age. She rem- she recognized me, and I recognized her. She goes. Wow, you look the same. I said, you look the same too. And I just think that when people come into the Lord and they give their whole life to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit without reservation, the Lord comes and lives with us and he suspends our ages with the grace, you know, and with with the grace. Um, he, he renews our youth, as it says in, in Scripture. Yeah. So, um... We're going to, I'm going to, I have a playlist that I put together. I just want to get everybody to get into the spirit of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about identity as individuals and how the enemy moves through society to kind of like uh, obliterate people's identity as a culture and as uh, as as individuals. And we don't want to be, as, as believers in Yeshua, we don't want to be used as tools of the enemy, do we? We know we got before us love and fear. We have the choice to choose which one we're going to um, connect with in our everyday relationship between ourselves and the Lord, right? And the people that he puts around us. So it's it could be just that simple, but sometimes life is so, is so complicated. But the Holy Spirit is here to be a comforter and to uncomplicate things, right? Doesn't mean suffering will will cease, but it does. What it does mean is that the Lord will walk us through it, and He'll be with us. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. So let's go to Psalm one thirty nine, so you can see, you know how He He rewrites us, or you know how we were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But we have to get go through that. We have to get. We have to come to this life and be liberated from the trickster, you know, the prince of the airways, Satan and his, and his um, dominions, okay? So, um, and his demonic cohorts. Anyways, oh Lord, it's Psalm 139 for the New International Version, version, uh, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit And when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down and my going out and coming in. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your Holy Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell or the earth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. 
even the darkness will not be dark to you because you created it. You created the light. You created the dark. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are so wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you because you created that frame. Yes, you did, Lord. I threw that in. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, oh God. This is where it turns south for me here. Uh, because if, you know, he, if David, King David is saying all this, why is he going there? I, the wicked here, just remind, you know, I just want to remind you all. The wicked are those demons that entice mankind to, towards evil. Because of the evil that's in that, the unrepentant evil that is within that individual. See, what happens when we don't, when we're not faithful to what the Lord's called us to in our daily walk with Him, and as the Lord shows that weak side and we keep ignoring it, then He turns us over to the adversary who will make life really unbearable for us and until we have enough and we, we come to the Lord with fear and trembling. Okay? Um, and the Lord will show up because he's always there. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Okay. So now let's go back to what I was saying. Yes. If only you would slay the wicked. Oh God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. The wicked can also be the Satanists who, who give themselves over to the enemy 100%. And all they want to do is uh, try to attack the church and... Uh, which the Lord says the gates of hell will not prevail against us because he will be with us all days, even to the end of time. Because he's the one that created time. You see? And the enemy knows his time is short. So right now we're in the end of times, the end, the very, very end. And what's going on? So much anxiety all over the earth. So much of men's hearts that are troubled and they don't even know it. And there's, there's a greed right now. There's a lust for power, a greed for power. Over women and children and the human trafficking, especially. And uh, the Lord is dealing with, right now with them because a lot of prayers are going up. He's dealing with the the enemy who is directing these men to do this stuff. Yeah. Well, you're seeing in the news how in this country, how it, you know, the human traffic industry was, was, was being financed. And some people aren't with us anymore because they chose to take their own life. Um, and we shouldn't rejoice over that. We should lament it. And cry out for that person's soul. Yeah. Because uh, only God knows where he's going. Maybe he had people praying for him in this life while he was doing all that stuff. And because of that, mercy, you know, he received mercy and was able to come to final repentance even after he left his body. This is the things that God could do. This is the stuff that the chaplaincy is all about. This is the stuff that we've known. This is the stuff that we've been taught because of our experience with people at the end of life. Anyways, and that's another, I'm going to do a whole series of shows without Lent. Lent is, um, it begins, uh, I can't believe it, it's our wedding anniversary, uh, in my grandson's birthday, 
and a friend, a ministry friend of my of ours birthday, February fourteenth, Ash Wednesday. Go to the your local church and get those ashes. Yes, and you'll be you'll be better for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, if only you would slay the wicked, O oh God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Now, this is before Sister Faustina. When Sister Faustina was received and you know received a revelation from the Lord, she's a you know she's a saint, saint uh, Saint Sister Faustina of the Divine Mercy. He gave her a Divine Mercy prayer to cover the earth with mercy because the Lord told her that in these days that we about ready to enter. Uh, the enemy is going to turn up the the furnace of affliction, uh, and uh, through plagues and everything. So, um, you know, as, so we we have to even when bitterness and hatred comes into our beginning, the beginnings of hatred try to come into our heart. Uh, it's all distraction, so we won't pray for people, even if they really don't treat us well. We have to get into that place of grace in order to um, uh, desire to pray for them. You know, I'm there right now. At one point, I wasn't, but I feel a sense of peace that I can literally say when I see craziness around me. I'm like, no, Lord, you've got to, you've got to bless them. You got to turn them around. Bless them doesn't mean bless the men. I mean, bless, bless. Blessed because he's agreeing with it. It's blessed so that so that he can turn away from that darkness, turn away from that dark thinking, a dark way of being. Uh, yeah, in Jesus' only name, which is called deliverance, right? Deliverance. Okay. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and I and and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is, is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So many Christians get offended when other believers don't come alongside of them or other people. Uh, and that may be often their faulty thinking or may, maybe living more in fear than in love, uh, the unconditional love of the Lord. But what I'm, I'm sending out, out to the airways is that it's not about get an approval from your brother or sister because everybody is walking the walk and talking the talk if you're, if you're Christian at their own pace with the Lord. And you just have to understand if you're not being received, it's not be so much them. It is them to a certain extent, but it is resistance. Uh, and it's a call for you to pray for the other person that the Lord would would show them, you know, that the Lord would begin to minister and talk to them. Because usually what gets in the way of the other person, hearing what the Lord is saying to the church or, you know, to this one group of people or, you know, in, 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 when it relates to the husband and wife, uh, to, you know, see, you know, understand what the Lord is speaking to the wife because most of the time the Lord speaks to the wife more than the husband at first and then the husband will get it. Uh, as the wife is praying for the husband to have the ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And uh, as I experience this daily in my, hus 
in my in my walk with in my marriage with my husband that you know what happens is that, that peace will come more quickly if you don't get offended to hand over the offense of the Lord and say Lord uh, if it's coming you're coming from an argument Lord forgive them or him or her for they do not know what they do or them when it comes to children and uh, see how fast the Lord comes he comes he comes with uh, he comes in power and glory and he he comes with peace so I I, I have to say this is uh, I, I have I have a testimony before we go further into this I have a testimony um, this I don't know how many of you had a really really low key Christmas we did we're like Lord should we put up a tree what should we do and we just got just meditate on the holy family you get a manger we got a couple of mangers I'm like do you want us to give them to, out to people mangers scene of the holy family the nativity uh, because my burden was for the families that couldn't celebrate the way that Lord, the way that the Lord deserves, because of maybe family conflicts and maybe just distance, you know. So uh, and brokenness, um, and uh, I just got that sense that there was families grieving all over the earth, and that meant it, you know, that. If people understood how, if they meditate on the Holy Family, there are actually graces that come from that. I mean, Saint Francis, when in eleven hundreds, when the Lord started talking to Saint Francis, when he transitioned him out of the world into his ministry, the first words that came to Saint Francis's mouth, because he used to do a lot of praying and fasting, he said, "I want you to build my church. My church is in ruins." And he thought, build it, you know, because architecture was one of the major um, businesses of the day. And and he got this church in San, da San Damiano, Italy, that was in ruins. And he started building the church and all the peasants started coming in. Uh, and they started getting healed and they became part of a community. But what the Lord was hinting at is build my church up where two or three gathered as we got and baptized believers it's the ecclesia he's there and I believe that in the, in the day of St. Francis when he was walking this earth it was a both, a both and building up the church uh, of San Damiano for the community of the poor and impoverished and those who have uh, a lot of suffering in their heart and don't feel worthy to come to the Lord. Building those, building their hearts up as well. You know, uh, amen. So uh, where was I going with this? Yeah. So, oh yeah, Christmas. So uh, me and my husband just stayed home praying for people, praying for the world, praying for families throughout the earth praying for our family. And I said, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to get, you know, my adult children? I mean, they have families of their own and they've been caught up in some things, you know, that they had to address. And Lord, what's going on? One of my daughters is still grieving for the loss of her husband. Uh, my 
my son-in-law, um, Dave. And so um, it's been two years. So anyways, I heard, because my, my daughter made a, an appeal that she wanted a Bible. But I thought, I said, I thought I gave you one. She goes, well, you know, when they were houseless, when the constable would to take everything away a couple of years ago before the pandemic, four years ago, actually, before the pandemic, before we inherited our beautiful granddaughter for two years, only supposed to be six months. <laughs> um, um, she, I had given her a Bible. Um, and uh, she said, no, uh, we need another one. I said, okay. So I prayed. And I heard the Holy Spirit because now my daughter, my granddaughter is 11 years old. And she wants she wants to write in her bar, her her diary. And one time she noticed that one of the pages returned, and she she put two and two together. And she said, "Mom, you were reading my diary," and she got so upset. I remember that day when I did the same thing to her mother. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I heard the Holy Spirit say, um, "She can they could both have their own Bibles," and you know, and I felt led to get. My give you know to, to buy or to purchase a um, a pink Bible, a girly girl Bible with with a journal in it for my granddaughter, and um, so I took her aside when she was having her down day. On it was on Christmas Eve actually, because she was a, she was expecting another kind of Christmas Eve, but she didn't understand the whole world is in doldrums and we're going to try to do Christmas the best way we know how, and so. Um, I uh, told her, I, I, I brought it to the back of my car, and I said, Mamie wants to give you an early Christmas gift on Christmas Eve, okay? So it was her own Bible. She loved it, and she she treasured it, and she brought it into the house. And I did the same thing with her mother, but her mother was in another place in space, and not going to get into it. But she, I saw that her Bible went right onto the patio deck and it didn't even go, it didn't even make it into the house under the trees. But at least my granddaughter went right in there. And so seven days later on New Year's Eve, it was on a Sunday, the Lord's Day, I get this frantic call at 11 o'clock at night, an hour before the turn of the of the year. There was an argument going on between mother and daughter, and it wasn't between me, me and my daughter. It was between my my daughter and my granddaughter, in in cinema form, cinematic form, through the phone, through the video, <laughs> and they were squawking. And I'm like, "What's going on?" I just wanted the content, you know. What I wanted the theme of this event, and it was like, "Oh, my." Um, Mimi, and I got a call directly from my granddaughter because I did tell her if if there's an issue, if I have any issues, just give me a call. And uh, I, they're they're fighting over who gets the pink Bible. And my daughter, her mother, was very convinced that day when she was in another place in space uh, that I gave the Bible to her. I said, No, I gave it to Kristen. I gave. Her the pink Bible because it's a little girl Bible. My grand, my my daughter was probably having an identity issue when it comes to Christmas, and she says, "I wanted the pink Bible." I said, "But you didn't tell me that." I said, "I got you. Aren't you happy with the new Bible for adults that I gave you?" <laughs> and there it is going on and on. And I said, "Let me just pray for peace." Uh, and I started to, 
And then they hung up. So I was like praying for peace from here. Me and my husband got into a prayer for peace for them. And uh, that it, it was nice that they, in a strange way, because of the resistance that was, you know, I experienced every time I brought up the word in the past, that they were actually fighting over who gets the uh, the pink Bible. So I went, the thing that I left them with, I said, why don't you just both share? Maybe the Lord wants you to share. And then I, and then that's when they hung up. But we prayed, prayed for peace, and uh, let a couple of days go by. And I, I, I took my granddaughter and so I said, so, so I saw that the pink Bible was under the tree. They still had the tree up. And so I said, so how did this turn out? Was there a piece that returned? She goes, yes. I said, so did you both read the Bible? Because I, I did give my daughter the ultimative that uh, I could go and, you know, you give me back the Bible that you don't want and I'll get you the Bible that you do want. And then after a while, it was like, well, never mind, never mind. Don't worry about it. And so uh, my, my granddaughter, Kristen, said that they were studying the Bible. They prayed together. So it was all about, because we did pray for unity for the situation. And I started laughing. I'm like, I started laughing. I said, well, Lord, you did answer prayer. You told me that, that now it's time for scripture, you know, and they, you know, and, do, and they, and you somehow used that to heal their relationship so now that they want you read the word and pray together. And I thought that was good. So that was what my grand, my daughter, my daughter was fussing on that she wanted to lead the Bible studies between them. And I said, well, I told Kristen, I said, just whenever there's a conflict with your mom, you just pray, you write it down in a journal and ask God for the remedy and you look it up in the scriptures. I said, that's what Mimi does. So it was, it was all good. So that was a Christmas gift to me, that faith, they received the faith through, and, and a better relationship with, as a mother-daughter team. And they were able to pray together uh, for the Lord. And, uh, and things just uh, are now running more smoothly than they did. My, my granddaughter has a better disposition to life and a better understanding. And uh, I just couldn't have asked for anything better than that. So that was my Christmas gift. It was just so funny. <laughs> but anyways, I just want to share that with you because the family that what prays together stays together. So this, uh, we're going to go to a couple of songs. The first song is going to be called Unwritten. And it's based on Revelation, uh, I think it's 417, I think it is. Let me just look. Let me see what I wrote in the commentary section. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, let me see. Let me see. I'm just going to Smeal, where I want to find out. I just want to find out what scripture it is, because I, I want to read it um, to leave you with that. Yeah, inspiration behind that song sometimes like like i said the, uh, the the lord gives us a song and sound from heaven brings it to the earth and he's just waiting for people to sing it to the earth it transforms and heals atmospheres and everything um, but then the enemy comes in there the prince of the airways he's jealous for god's people um and things like that so um he doesn't want he wants to be the 
the one that sings the song. Yeah, so this is Revelation um, 21, 27. So Revelation 21, 27 says this, and I've been really uh, meditating on that uh, for a whole couple of weeks, 21, 27. I believe Revelation 21 is the last book of some people call it the Apocrypha. Uh, I, I just call it the book of Revelation 27, 21, 27. Here we go. 21, 27. It's not the last book. The last book is The River of Life, 22. Uh, here we go. 26. Yeah. Okay. The, okay. Let me just go before I go back up to 22. Um let me just read all of 21. I just have to read it. Yeah. The New Jerusalem. When I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them forever. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of all things. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life, the living water, for I am the living water. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son or daughter. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderous, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, their place would be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur if they don't repent before the second before the second coming. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, a, as, a clear, as clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north and three on the south and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. I just wanted to see. see. So the, it had the 12 tribes of Israel. Abraham was blessed of the Lord and was promised of the Lord that his descendants would equal, because of his faith, would, would, would be as numerous as the stars of the sky, the spiritual Israel, and as, as numerous as the sands of the seashore, the physical Israel. So there is no exclusion 
God does not operate on the exclusion principle. He says there there was thrones for the twelve tribes of Israel and the seven uh, and the twelve apostles. Okay, the twelve, twelve the twelve apostles. So the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide and measured the city. He. I'm sorry, not it. He he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. He measured its wall and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of, uh, city, uh, uh, of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls are decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third um, chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sidonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz. Well, that's my birthstone. <laughs> the tenth uh, crystal praise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city of was of pure gold, like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives light, and the Lamb its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it, their glory. Right? After they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. On on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing pure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the land's book of life. And we're going to go into what the song Unwritten is, should have been about, is all, is all about. Um, I changed some of the lyrics around because the Holy Spirit told me to. And he told me not to sing certain parts, but the and I played it to um, um, acoustic guitar. And like I said, before you come to the Lord, the enemy has you pinpointed. But again, the Lord has the very thought of us brought us into existence. The very thought of us was written in the book of life. What we do with it is our choice. And when we come, we, we transition out of the world and the empire of Satan into the kingdom of God. He transforms us uh, into his image and everything that he, that he preordained from since the beginnings of the foundation of the earth were laid was the thought of you being here and doing the call that he called you. Many people call him if you were chosen. And uh, he chose you to, to do the works of God and the exploits of God. And uh, he and he undoes the plans of the enemy, right? And he rewrites, he rewrites or writes it, or he inserts you into what was already written uh, in, uh, uh, in the book of life. Okay, it's just waiting for you. I hope that doesn't, I hope that that description doesn't confuse anybody. I tie by the spirit of confusion, but it's all about movement towards the kingdom. 
Oh, like Bob Molly sings in Exodus. <laughs> we we got to see that. That's coming up in February, right? There's a, a Bob Marley movie coming up about uh, what you know. And he was he had he, he was a revelator as well. Okay, uh, enjoy the, the rest of the show. Uh, we're gonna there's gonna be a, a, a song a playlist that I generated. Thank you, love and relate to. Um, and uh, we're going to begin with Unwritten, and then we're going to go into uh, you might, I, I, I've been doing a lot of work with Linda Solomon, uh, who uh, spearheads Confront Injustice. She has um, a show uh, through the um, Braintree Cable, um, public access cable, and they've been uh, gracious enough to uh, film, you know, videotape it. And, and put it on YouTube for them. And so, excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> so what's happening is that she invited me to, to a, you know, a year-long series of healing from trauma. And they and they, they go through trauma um, and, and, and talk about how it's, you know, if one particular topic that's apropos for uh, uh February being Black History Month, how how, how a group such as an, the African American population in the United States um, have um, how how they have been affected in a negative way, and also because of that re great resiliency came where they are you know they they're still survivors. We you know we we they talk about how you know the this country was built on the backs of slaves. And nobody is given the reparation for it, but there's there's some movement in that area, and it's not not black lives. It's it's collective. It's you know it's 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 white and black, Caucasian and African American coming together to understand why what what really needs to be done in reparation. A lot of it is spiritual work, and uh, we're going to unpack this. We're going to unpack this, um, and uh, and it's it's the story doesn't end. Um, there, I really believe uh, prophetically that the Lord is um, rewriting the narrative of um, African Americans, undoing what some elements of society that are not God godly uh, want to say about it, and trying to convince the the evangelicals, especially uh, uh, um, in the southern part of our country. Um, uh, you know, and when people uh, do that. And they're unsettled, and then they create laws and barriers and red tape, so that there is not any a, a true equality between all people groups. Um, there's something wrong. That's the system broken. That's a truly rigged system. So God is about he's, he's smashing these structures all over the place, and he's rewriting the narrative, not just on certain cultural groups, but everyone, everyone. Okay, everyone. And the Lord, I just, he gave me a, a, a scripture and a word and a revelation that he's walking to and through throughout America right now. He, he doesn't need man to turn things over, although he, the enemy may use man to do that. But um, overnight, he's just, just like that. He's, he's turning people's hearts away from the foolish things of the world and to his heart, his sacred heart.
Enjoy the rest of the show. God bless you. And again, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. The year of the open door. Did you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you are a believer in Jesus? Let's go. I am unwritten, carry my mind. I'm undefined, yeah. I'm just beginning the pants in his hand and in a blend staring at the blank page before you open up the dirty window let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find reaching for something in the distance so close you can almost taste it release your inhibition no one else can feel it for you only you can let him in no one else no one else can speak the words on your lips Stretch yourself and words unspoken Live your life with us wide open Today is where your book begins The rest is still unwritten Ooh, yeah I break tradition Sometimes my tries are outside the line Yeah, I've been conditioned to not make mistakes But I can live that way Staring at the blank page before you Open up the dirty window Let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find reaching For something in the distance So close you can almost taste it Release your inhibition No one else can feel it for you Only you can let them in No one else, no one else can speak the words on your lips Stretch yourself and words are spoken Live your life with eyes wide open Today is when your book begins The rest is still unwritten Oh yeah the blank page before you open up the dirty window let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find reaching for something in the distance so close you can almost taste it release those inhibitions feel the rain on your skin no one else can feel it for you only you can let them in no one else no one else can speak the words on your lips Drench yourself in words are spoken Live your life with eyes wide open Today is when your book begins The rest is still unwritten Oh yeah Drench yourself in words are spoken Live your life with eyes wide open Today is when your book begins the rest is still unwritten The rest is still unwritten Oh, yeah. The rest is still unwritten Oh, Today is when your book begins The rest is still unwritten
um, in the tapestry of our collective identity, the threads of today are woven with the stories of yesterday. To truly understand where we stand as a people, we must unravel the complexities of our past history. For therein lies the map that guides us towards a more enlightened and united future. Then the, the name of this, um, the organization Sankofa, is a bird that has its head um, in the backwards direction. And it speaks to this as well. Before you can go ahead, you have to know where you came from. One. Two. It's virtually impossible to talk about where we are as a people, as African-Americans or as Black people here in the United States without knowing our history, because our history has everything, our story has everything to do with where we are right now at this time in history. And as this quote states, it's a tapestry and it's, and we need to be able to understand, we need to understand and be able to make sense of it. So why are we here? What is our objective? We are here to, or the objective is to further understand how the complexities or the complex interplay between historical events, the well-being of our community, and its lasting impact on multiple generations, right? So by the time we leave this evening, we should have a better understanding of the historical events that have led up to present day that have had profound and lasting impacts on where we are now. This generation is, <laughs> I would say, even say future generations as well, right? So you should be able to answer the question, what is historical trauma? Why is it important for us to know about it? What has the impact been? And what can we do about it? If we're just talking about historical trauma um, without solutions without talking about strategies about without talking about healing and wellness then it's just a feel-good conversation which is not of much value right any work that we do is concerned with upward mobility it's about educating uplifting and empowering ourselves in our communities so let's take a look at what generational trauma is because if nothing else we want to be very clear about what it is so generational trauma refers to the psychological and emotional impact of traumatic events experienced by a specific group of people that extends beyond the individuals directly affected and influences subsequent generations, right? Let me read it again. Generational trauma refers to both the psychological and emotional impact of traumatic experiences by a specific group of people that extends beyond those individuals directly and affects and influences subsequent generations. The significance of generational trauma, the significance of generational trauma lies in its ability to shape the collective experiences, behaviors, and mental health of a community over time, right? Generational trauma is so important because, again, and sometimes I'll repeat myself, and it's not because I don't, I'm not aware of what I'm saying, Sometimes we need to hear things multiple times to understand it, right? And so the significance of generational trauma is that the impact is can be devastating. It can be, it just can, it shapes our collective experiences, our behaviors, our mental, mental health as a community over time. And that's major. 
And I want this to be an engaging and interactive generational trauma. Does anyone have any questions about this, thoughts that you'd like to share? Was this consistent with what you thought it was or not? What are your thoughts? Um, I guess I'm here to see what's going to be done about it. Okay. Not just talk about it. There you go. Now, if you, you know, study slavery or just what Black people have been going through in this country, we all should know the trauma, you know, that's behind it. But the problem is what's going to be done about it in 2024? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's... it's, mm -hmm, Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I talked to a friend of mine today who was a nurse who's about to retire, bright woman. Um, I invited her to this gathering and she asked me what generational trauma was, historical trauma was. Um, And I think that is because she sort of, you know, you could put the words together and kind of figure out maybe what it is. However, um, I think if you ask people more than not, would probably um, not be able to answer the question um, um, thoroughly or may not know how how intense, how insidious historical trauma can be. And many people may not even realize that they're suffering from historical trauma or remnants of historical trauma. Um, but I, again, I agree with you. If this is just, this is not, a, this, we're not here to, to, for this to be a feel-good activity. We're to, this is about growing wellness and healing. No doubt about it. There's no shades of gray about that. And so we'll move on. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, hi, Linda. Um, hi. Uh, Juanita is also here with me, um, a friend of mine, and she's joined us today to um, learn from this experience as well. But she had something she w- would like to say. How are you? Good. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy Holiday and everything. Okay. Hi. My name is Juanita. And... Um, I was joining Jamie on her um, this evening. She always um, invited me to come, you know. And um, I go to dialysis, so sometimes I'll be tired and sleep, but, you know. So I'm here, and um, we, we, she and I speak a lot, you know, about a lot of things that we've been through. But um, I think I heard generational trauma and historical trauma. Well, I just wanted to say something about, like, I think with generational trauma, that can go way back in the roots, you know, way back. And I think generational trauma, in that it has to be somewhere where someone can break the chain of that generational trauma when they know what's going on. We have to try to, like, break the chain of that. And, and that, think, you know, that's and why think, we're here. I'm that's, sorry. Why, that's why we're here. And then I also think, like, with historical trauma, you know, it's a lot of history that we know about and a lot that we don't know about. Right. And then when you find out about the, oh, oh, can they hear me? Take your When you find out about the history that's been done to us, or done to your, you know, through generation, it's like, wow, that's so traumatic, you Absolutely. know, and, and and that you hold on and you can remember that, but we can also break the cycle. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Listen, that's why we're here. That's what the motivation is. And if you can't 
if you can't, you cannot be paired something that you can't name. So right. we need to be able to name it. We need to understand what it is. We need to understand the impact that it's had on us, for sure. Mm-hmm. Before we can talk about truly healing. Mm-hmm. So I right. thank you. I thank you for your um for your sharing. I see Doctor um, Kenneth has something to say as well. I do. I do. Um, I'm just waiting for other people to chime in. Want to find get a feel for where where everybody was with this. Um, Guanita, yeah, yeah. had um, uh, mentioned something that was very significant. She wanted to know. We call in chaplain terms and spiritual terms spiritual water table. Whatever the spiritual water table is in our society, it's it's the advancement spiritually as well as psychologically, socially, intellectually, and physically. Trauma has many levels of variance to it. So if we can pinpoint just what level that is, right right now I think we're dealing with social trauma and the mm-hmm. spiritual and the psychological, the impact that yeah. it has on a group of people and as individuals. Some families uh, you know, have it more than others because much they've experienced much over the generations and biblically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could go back seven generations if, if, if we do you know, the, the research, if we are allowed to do it, you know, when we go through uh, uh, 23andMe or Ancestry.com um, and, and things like that. And then you could see probably even, you know, if, some, if your family is fortunate to be alive right, right around this time, three generations, you kind of ask questions or, or see where the patterns are. What are similar patterns? What are they facing? Mm-hmm. You know? I'm sorry. I'm- Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm saying. To to, to to name it, like you said, name. You, you got to name it. You almost right. got to do a okay. like a, a observational analysis. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So listen. Um. So I think we're clear about generational trauma. That's right? it. Because it's so many things. So many things so, with right. generational. It, I mean, it's a it's molestation in generational. That's it. Um, yeah. It's um, you know, all kind of different things. It's it's you had to defend yourself and take care of yourself when you were three and four and five kind of generational trauma. And then you get triggered but, in your know, adult life. You get triggered and you go all the way back to your three years old. You're like, why am I feeling like we're three at uh, fifty? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, it's uh, so I I appreciate your your um, comment. As we go further into the slide, you'll come. We'll come across some of this stuff. To some of that. All righty. <laughs> yeah. Take it away, Linda. <laughs> Take it away. So now that we know what generational trauma is or historical trauma is, right? There are some key um, points that you should be aware of, right? And and you should know the significance of them. So in, there's some inherent um, effects like trauma experienced by. One generation can affect the mental health, emotional, and physical well-being of subsequent generations, right? That's what is so insidious about it. The experiences of one generation can affect not only the mental and emotional, but the physical well-being of further generations. And this unresolved trauma may manifest in various ways, right? And those those manifestations can last over a long period of time. There's a cultural and social transmission, right? Trauma can be transmitted through cultural narratives. Without a doubt, the stories that we hear clearly play a role in 
um, the way we move in the world, our behavior, our, and our social structures. And these stories and experiences of past generations shape the identity and the worldview. They shape our identity and our worldview. The repetition of patterns, right? Generational trauma often leads to the repetition of harmful patterns within families and communities, right? And one that comes to mind is um, like some of the things that we as black people eat that are data back to slavery, our enslavement, our imprisonment, our false imprisonment, right? Um, but unhealthy coping mechanisms, interpersonal difficulties and challenges in forming secure attachments can persist over generations, can persist over generations. The relationships between men and women, husband and wives, and the way they were treated in the way um, during slavery, for example, the impact, it's, the effects have been insidious, have been ongoing. It almost um, gets in the way of us enjoying our families now, that's, that small hidden part of a right. family, you know, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head, false imprisonment, that sense of false imprisonment that has handed, been handed down. It's interesting. We spend a lot of time talking about post-incarceration being held against your will and what that does to you. Mm-hmm. Being being enslaved and held against your will and suffering the torment and torture and brutality, no doubt has has had an effect on had an effect on our forefathers and is still in our you know, we know that trauma is passed through the DNA. There's that's, there's no there are no shades of gray about that. We know that to be the case. Right? Um, and so that means the way we were moving the world, our interaction, some of our thought processes are connected back to that trauma, right? But for number four, impact on mental health. Clearly, I don't, I mean, I think that, I don't think there's any shade to gray about that. Clearly, uh, and the psychological scars of generational trauma may contribute to mental health issues such as depression, makes sense, anxiety, Post-traumatic stress syndrome makes sense. Um, among affected, you know, clearly, understanding these impacts is crucial for effective mental health intervention. There's no doubt about it. Again, I we really cannot make sense of where we are as a people in terms of our health disparities, education, political. We cannot our social structure. We cannot really make sense of where we are today as a people unless we understand the story. We understand our history. We understand the effects of of our history. Uh And then the social and economic disparities are glaring. Historical trauma rooted in systemic injustice. Systemic injustice is alive and well today. No doubt about it. I think think it's systemic injustice is on two fronts. covertly and overtly. When I say covertly, it's like, uh, you know, when the drugs drugs are pumped. Into it's direct it. and indirectly. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and so the, the systemic injustice, systemic racism, systemic discrimination, the, the disparities um, can contribute to ongoing social and economic disparities, like the redlining of people not being able to buy property. Mm. I mean, it's so vast I could go on. These disparities may linger across, may hinder access 
to resources, opportunities, and equitable treatment um, for affected communities. We know that, well, you know, there was a report in the Globe not that long ago that talked about the disparities in the inequities in the in the like the wealth gap. All of that is connected to historical trauma. There are no doubts about that. And so the question is, how does that impact us as individuals? How does that impact us as a people? Because it absolutely, without a doubt, does, right? And, and we go through these things. We're going through these slides because we want people to be very clear about what historical trauma is, right? And, you know, historical trauma is insidious. It is insidious. And for those of you, I would imagine all of you know, but insidious is you. It's a term that's used to describe something that operates in a hidden or inconspicuous manner, right? Making the impact difficult to detect until significant consequences occur, right? For example, we know that the jails, prison system, the prison industrial complex is filled with more men and women of color than ever before, right? And this is an example of that insidious systemic racism and bias. And I think that now that we're looking at the numbers, we think, oh, my God, how could that happen? How was that? Well, it happened um, inconspicuously. Well, I, I don't even know that that's the case. Because if we trace the prison industry, it's been pretty, like, we can connect the, the breadcrumbs. We can connect the dots to see. And it would very clearly explain where we are now. But just to be clear, insidious things are done in a hidden or inconspicuous manner. And as a result, it's difficult to really detect or put your finger on exactly what's going on. But, oh, let me go back. Historical trauma is insidious because it, it affects us subtle, gradual, and often unnoticed and underestimated over time, right? So if nothing else, what historical trauma is, you understand that it's insidious. And because it is, it's like a slow drip in people's lives their existence, the quality of their life, their mental health, all are compromised in ways that don't serve them well or serve our community well. Some of the ways that um, historical trauma or generational trauma is insidious is, and these are some of the ways I don't, um, I'll just go through them quickly. Delayed manifestation, right? The impact of historical trauma may not manifest immediately or uniformly across individuals and generations, right? which makes it kind of difficult to recognize. Um, symptoms such as mental health issues or behavioral patterns may emerge unexpectedly or become apparent only after a significant period, making it challenging to connect them directly to historical trauma, right? We, have the ability, we are resilient beyond measure. And because we appear to be resilient, because we have been resilient, um, one might think, well, we're good. We're okay. Right? When in fact, we are not okay. We've been able to mask. We've been able to take care of business because our life depended on it. But right? But, but the ha delay. But have you the heard this, the, the, ter the term, the squeaky wheel um, gets, the the, gets the oil? We have to be more squeaky, in, you know, in, in, effectively, because I noticed that even in society with the underrepresented groups like the one, the people with the disabilities cuts across all racial um, uh, um, parts of our 
um, country, uh, society. When there's one voice that talks for, or a couple of voices, you know, talk that speak for everybody else, it seems like the, the more that they talk about it, the more that they put it out there, there's, their voice is getting recognition. So I, I believe it's in formulating the voice. Go ahead. Just wanted to share that with you. Okay. Another reason why it is so insidious is that is because of intersecting, it intersects with systemic injustice. Historical trauma is often interwoven or inter, um, intertwined with broader system, systemic injustice, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Such as racism and discrimination, bias, right? The insidious nature stems from the ongoing existence of these systemic issues, perpetuating the trauma through various channels, including unequal opportunities, which no one will question, institutionalized bias. An example of that, 2024, the president of Harvard University, a black woman, um, resigns or is forced to resign or pushed out, right? And we know that that was all about race. That was all about race. Um, structural inequities. Another internalized beliefs also make historical and generational trauma insidious as to the insidiousness of it. Individuals and, individuals and communities affected by historical trauma may internalize negative beliefs. And I'm sure all of us knows people who, black people who wish they were something other than black, right? I work with young people and it's not uncommon for, for them to believe that white people are smarter, that Asian people are smarter, they wish they, it's just, it's it's sad. You know, we, they're his, we, the blue-eyed, brown-eyed doll experiment, experiment, children at a very young age recognize the internalized, the internalized beliefs that don't serve them well. Um, these internalized narratives can shape self-perception and behavior in ways that are not always immediately apparent but contribute to the insidious impact of historical trauma. As you can imagine, young children, young black children who think that the white dolls are better or white people are better is a problem because then what do they think of themselves? Okay, let's go to the... Um, Which is a myth. It is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a myth. Um, and we have to know how to differentiate um, as a people that want to form a voice. What is myth? And what is not right? Well, how do we know what's mythical if we don't even talk about it? Oh, exactly. That that's where it begins. That's where it begins. Yeah, and, and that's why that's one of the reasons why we're here. Mm -hmm. Another mm -hmm. dynamic of this whole insidiousness of historic and generational trauma is the gradual accumulation. Historical trauma tends to accumulate over generations, right? Mm -hmm. One generation doesn't have the opportunity to heal, and then when you move on, it's compounded. The initial traumatic event mm -hmm. and their immediate impact may be clear, but the subtle and gradual transmission of trauma through learned behaviors, cultural narratives, and social dynamics can lead to a cumulative effect that intensifies over time. I just wanted to go go back to what you were saying about the you know the the white the white dolls you know black um, kids um, you know, feeling that you know choosing a white doll is it, it was is better. When I was growing up, I remember hearing this 
that people would come up to me my, and my my hair wasn't too too short, but they would say, "Oh, my mommy said that black people's hair, you know, they have to have, they have short hair because it doesn't grow." And I was like, that stuck in my head that no matter how long my hair got, that I was gonna have short hair forever. And but but I wasn't happy with what I with what God gave me. And then mm -hmm. I I noticed that as a result of the pandemic, water black one of the um, one of the uh, effects of those who have COVID-19, a lot of people, regardless of race, were losing their hair. Now, I've seen online, everybody, doesn't matter what, they are now coming up with diff different ways to replace their hair, you know, creatively and everything else on um, on Facebook. It's amazing. And it, 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 it throws that myth right out, you know. But the thing is, there that's really what cuts into self-esteem. No, it sure does. It absolutely does. And therein lies another problem because your sense of who you are is based on narratives that are not true, that are inaccurate, more than inaccurate. Your sense of who you are, oftentimes, unless you are coming, unless you're in environments that are nurturing, encouraging, and are providing a, a alternative narrative, then, you know, you have some things to be concerned about. And our education system does not provide an alternative narrative. It just doesn't. And so an example of that is, you know, we have these we have these advanced classes that are filled primarily with um, children who don't look like me. And it's not because children who look like me are not intelligent, but for whatever reason, there's a very clear message being sent when children when, when children of African descent or Black children walk through these classes and see white faces. What message? Even the idea of medical. Like to go to a good school, you have to go out of your community. And I'm not interested in in like debating that. My my point is that my point is that it sent it sends a message. Unseen transmissions, right? The transmissions of historical trauma may not be immediately visible. And we talked about that. Right, um, but they're but they're the invisible and un unidentifiable um, effects are very much alive and active, and we normalize the dysfunction. Dysfunctional patterns and coping mechanisms that arise from historical trauma may become normalized. Right, and you know, I, I know everyone here must have heard we normalize the abnormal. Right, our stress, our depression, our anxiety—we that's so much a part of being in survival mode, being hyper vigilant. Those are, you know, we our survival depends on some of those things, and we've normalized them. And though that normalization has major, major impacts on our health and the health disparities, no doubt. So. Understanding the insidious nature of historical trauma is crucial for developing interventions and support systems that address the deep-seated and often hidden impact of individuals, families, and communities. We have to have an understanding of what we're dealing with. We have to be able to name it. We have to understand, and then we can start the process of um, start the journey of healing. And we're talking about generational trauma, so this is not a quick fix thing but being educated doing your own research um coming drawing conclusions being in communities with people where you can share your thoughts um is, is part of the healing process um i have a timeline i have a timeline 
that I thought was important to share. Because although we've talked about the, how it impacts us, I think it's important for people to hear um, specifically what we're talking about here. What are the things that happen that created this trauma, right? And so the list is expansive, but I'm not going to read all of it, but I'll read enough of it, I think, to create a picture in your mind, right? Um, and this timeline reflects the historical trauma inflicted upon Black people, including convict leasing, sexual exploitations, the brutal conditions and seasoning that slaves went through. When they got off the ships, they went through a seasoning, right? And that was conditioning them so that they would be slaves, right? And we don't hear a lot about that. But there were actually places that are probably still constructed in the South where slaves were hard to handle or were, they were deemed problematic, whatever was sent. And they went through a seasoning. Um, but let me just start with the arrival of the African, the inception of the the new world, right? The, the Plymouth plantation, the colonies before we became what is now known as the United States. Slaves, the trauma was being kidnapped and put on ships like animals. I can't even say like animals because animals are not treated like that, right? Coming over here, that whole journey, that was traumatic, right? Then the 18th, the Declaration of Independence, give me liberty or give me death. While slaves, humans were still being held in and being abused and treated in such inhumane ways that I could I cannot even speak about because it would cause trauma right now to hear about things. Then the whole so we know about if nothing else, most of us know about something about the slavery in the United States, right? And we know that the intention of slavery was it was about greed, it was about greed, power, and control. And the objective was to create a group of imbeciles that would just follow the commands of the plantation owners. That's what the group, that's what the plan was, to create a group of imbeciles, right? Um, and many people say, well, there was slavery in other parts of the world. There was slavery in Africa. Yes, there was, but it wasn't the type of slavery that was here in the United States, right? It absolutely was not. Um, then we talk about, um, so the slavery, and then slavery, the United States banned slavery. And the, um, in this, in, although slavery was was abolished or banned or ended, where were slaves going to go? There were states that said slaves are not, former slaves are not welcome here. So where were they going to go, right? Um, and then we had like the Civil War. We know that. We know all about that, right? Black people, former slaves could fight, but couldn't have any but were not treated fairly, right? They were first to be, they were put on the front lines and all of that, right? Um, the abolishment of slavery, then reconstruction, and were mocked by efforts to rebuild the South. Convict leasing, sharecropping. Convict leasing is probably the start of the what we know as the prison, the industrial prison complex, right? After slavery, they still needed those, after slavery, they still needed the workers, workers that they didn't want to pay. So they just started arresting them, right? Convict leasing. And if you were arrested, for example, for vacancy, walking down the road, you were arrested and you were leased out. Again, indentured slave, you were held against your will and forced to work for no money, right? It was another form of slavery. Sharecropping as well. It wasn't a common for after the end of the year, you owed the plantation owner money, right? Another form of slavery. 
I see your hand up, Mr. Watson. Yes, because yeah, because it, it's it's a strong, serious impact, and it, and it just continues the trauma line. Because yeah, I know a man who was standing on his old property, came out his house to get a breath, a breath of fresh air, and somebody across the way called the police and said that it was a a, a shooting. You know what I mean? And somebody had a firearm. Long story short, that never existed. It never existed. And he asked the man, "Identify yourself." It's like he couldn't have a house, you know what I mean? And he was living there with his mother, his grandmother, you know what I mean? And they proceeded to cuff him because he wouldn't give them uh, identify himself. So he finally gave him his name. My name is Eddie. He t- <clears throat> that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And because he was black, you know what I mean? They cuffed him up and left him cuffed up. They didn't take him in. They didn't lock him up, but it, it continued to harass him, you know? We need to identify you. We have to identify you. Or, or turn around and we're going to have to turn around and take you in to identify who you are. And as people came out and identified who he was, he's been living there for a while. And they finally turned around and took the cuffs off. But he was on his own property. His own property. But yet he was black. He's got six police officers and a captain surrounding him. Uh, you know, <clears throat> but it's a thing. The, steps, the, <clears throat> the racism continues. It absolutely the does. Trauma is now is being relived again. You know what I mean? Because this family is black, that they shouldn't have that. That's all I want to say. And it's going to continue until we address it. Okay, let me go through a little bit more of this um, timeline. I'll go through it quickly so yes. we can get to what are we going to do about it. Um, so we have the um, convict leasing, late 1800s. We have the proliferation of children born to slave owners through rape and exploitation. The number of children that were born during slavery. Excuse me. I just wanted to know, um, are we supposed to see it on the screen? Like, it no, just sits there? No. Right. No, I don't have the timeline on there. Oh, okay. I can, if you want a copy of it, I can certainly provide it, but I don't have it on there. So late 1800s, children, um, the abuse that women, black women went through was unconscionable. You know, they said that we that we had a high tolerance for pain, so they would do these experiments on black women without um, anesthesia. And that was a common practice. One of the wealthiest doctors in the world was a white man who invented the speculum. And I'm not, and you can look it up and do your own research. I wouldn't even think to tell you about some of the things that he did to women and children and babies, because it would be traumatic for you to hear that. But that's part of our history. And that's part of the trauma that's um, in our DNA. Don't, um, forget, don't forget the breeding. They used to breed of color. Well, thank you, because they did. They had breeding places where men, well, men, they, women, they were, that was their job because a new body meant money. And that was a business of breeding black babies. There's no doubt about it. That was a profitable business. Yep. Young women, young children, I mean, they just started. <laughs> yeah. And then in the 1900s, we had the proliferation of lynching and racial violence, right? The release, um, and then in the ni- 1915, the release of A Birth of a Nation. And that film glorified the Ku Klux Klan. And it did an outstanding job. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. And then in the 1920s, we had that Ro- the Rosewood Massacre, a racially motivated attack on a Black community in Florida, devastated the whole town. President, one of our presidents, I think Clinton, apologized to some of the defendant, descendants of Rosewood. Just massacred them. And that wasn't the only time 
that there was such there was a there were massacres in the United States. I published a newsletter a few months ago and talked about some of the massacres where whole com- complete community towns were obliterated. There was a uh, green in in, <laughs> was, uh, in Oklahoma. There was a and green, that was one yeah. right. That was one of them. And that was a well-to-do um, African American. Um, they were all entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, there was, a, a whole, there was somebody generated a lie about this woman. Um, they said that a black man raped. And then the whole town was burnt down to a crisp. A lot of people died. Um, and they were probably the, the wealthiest, um, you know, um, communities, you know, as African-Americans. But probably, I think it towers a lot of the people that were not of color. And there was a lot of jealousy behind that. They were pretty well-to-do people. That was in 1921. It was it was Black Wall Street. Yeah, Black Tulsa, Wall Street. It was the Tulsa race, race mm-hmm. massacre. And there were Black people had their own hospitals, their own stores, their own yeah. theaters, totally independent, self-sufficient. White people were going to them for loans. Jewish people, as quiet as it is kept, was going to wealthy Black people for loans. Mm-hmm. Right, our history is rich, um, and they in that Rosewood was there was a massacre that day, a massacre, Black Wall Street. Then um, we talked about the the medical experiments. We talked, you know, we know about Brown versus the Board of Education. There were some places, some cities that closed their school system down because they didn't want their children going to school with Black children. They just Close the whole school district, school system down. How absurd is that? But it happened, right? We know going to Rosa Parks, civil rights movement. And I think we know, we probably can take it from there because I think most of us know the history, but I have this timeline. If you put your name in the chat, I'll make sure you get it. So you can see systemic, pro- prolonged, consistent forms of trauma, right? That's been our history. That's but you know, the good thing is we're resilient beyond measure. We're not a group of imbeciles. Many of us are thriving. We're doing well. Listen, drop us somewhere, even in China, we're going to figure our way out. We are resilient people. We, when, when, we, when the United States was going through the Great Depression, we weren't, we weren't killing ourselves. We, we were, we, listen, we make things happen. We're survive. We are, our survival skills are. Are beyond measure, right? And if we were dropped off in China, China comes to our aid first and foremost. <laughs> yeah, but we but we would figure it out, right? We, we would. They would out. figure it out with us, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and yes. give us the credit. <laughs> yep. So we have this historical timeline, but I want you to know, guys, we 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 are not the only ones who suffered um, historical trauma, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, right? But we know that the historical has left the historical trauma has left profound scars. I don't know if I can call if I, I don't know if I can call them scars, they're beyond scars. But they have uh, indelibly injured Native Americans and Jap in the Japanese community too, due to actions that um were carried out right here in the United States. The forced removal of from ancestral lands. Establishing reservations and um, political and cultural annihilation. You know, one of 
something that makes me cringe today, just gives me such a bad feeling, is that Native American children, three, four, five, preteens, were actually taken from their homes. And if parents refused, they would be killed or imprisoned or whatever. But their babies were taken out of their arms and put in these schools because the idea was that Native Americans were savages and couldn't raise their children. And many of these children, many of those children who are now adults and elders can tell you about, and I've spoken with, I've spoken with enough, I've spoken with enough number of them, right? Um, And they, they talk about the stories of rape. They talk about the mistreatment. They talk about they were stripped. They went to these schools, boarding schools, far away from reservation, from where they lived, and they couldn't speak their language. They they were the objective was to strip them of their culture. Now I don't know how any of you feel, but if somebody <laughs> took one of your children, one of your babies, yeah. hmm, and then you know the Japanese being put in internment camps right here in the United States. So Hitler got his ideas from the United States. You know, these concentration camps and everything that, you know, his ideas came from the United States. And so you you need to know that we're not in this alone, I think. And we don't compare one with the other. We don't talk like the Holocaust, right? Those concentration camps. I mentioned them because we need to know about them, but we're not comparing our, our Holocaust. Listen, apples and oranges, there's no comparing it. We're not trying to compare. We're saying our, we're talking, our focus is our story because it's about us. There's stories about them, but we need to know as educated people, we need to know. So we don't repeat the same mistake again, right? Right. We don't keep going around the mulberry bush. Right. James has a question. James, question? In, 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 in the most, the most, uh, uh, I even hate to even talk about it, that the mothers would actually kill their babies before they let them take them into slavery. When the babies were born, they would actually kill their babies. Some of them did. Yeah, they would kill their baby. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's really interesting to talk about because a lot of times now we see um, parents raising their children and they're just so so hard on them mm. because they don't want them to struggle or they don't want them to be prejudged or they don't want them to suffer. And although they mean well, they forget to love their children. Right, like it to make sure that they know that even if nothing changes, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And that's an effect of trauma, too. Like, we we quick raise our people not to love themselves. True. All this even hair, like, there's nothing wrong with an afro. If you see somebody in their natural state, you should compliment them. Mm-hmm. I like, compliment my, my granddaughter when she her is getting all over the place. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, that's just you. You just love it like that. All right, let's get some softener. But that's, that's about it. <laughs> she's loving herself in her natural state. That's how it's supposed to be. Yep, yep. So... Yeah. I think the way that we raise our children has a lot to do with our historical trauma. Either we are recognizing and we're recognizing what we're doing and we are um, deliberate about um, making sure that we that our children are nurtured. And then there were some who were just caught up in survival mode and, and blind to the trauma that they experience and don't see the damage that's being done. And, you know, I don't that's, I don't think that's something that anyone can refute. That's, that's just the reality. Because trauma doesn't disappear on its own. It doesn't dissipate. It doesn't evaporate. It doesn't go away unless you take deliberate steps to address it. Unless you take deliberate steps to heal from your trauma, 
that's there and it's going to wreak havoc. If not in your life, immediately in your life, it will impact those who are in close proximity to you. Linda, I think that you hit the nail on the head with this. And I think I think going forward, we, we probably want to discover ways or systems as a group, you know, what those, because, you know, not one size, all one size fits all, but what, you know, what are, what's out there? What are the tools that are out there? And if, they, if we have to refine and modify, I think that's where we could go with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So healing and resilience. Mm-hmm. Recognizing and addressing generational trauma is essential for healing, as we've talked about, and I'm sure everyone agrees. The strategies for healing involve acknowledging historical pain, promoting cultural pride, and fostering supportive environments. Being in environments like this and other environments that are supportive, that are encouraging, that that environments where you feel comfortable enough to be you, who you really are, um, goes a long way in the healing process. Right. So let's talk about um, embarking on a healing journey is a holistic process that involves, as we said, the emotional, mental, physical and spiritual parts of ourselves. Right. Because all of those parts of us have been have been impacted, the spiritual, physical, mental and emotional. And these are some of the things that we can do. These are some of the things that we can do. Do to um, embark on our journey of healing. Mm-hmm. Jamie, do you have your hand up? It's looking like James and yeah. okay. Hi, it's me, Juanita again. Right. Um, just real quick, you know, and and we, when I spoke about breaking the breaking the cycle of the generational curses, and when we spoke about um, complimenting each other now. You know, and not worrying about the hair. You know, so many people now wearing their hair natural or however they want to wear it, you know. And um, I think that's part of breaking the generational curse, too, when you're trying to change now, today, from the before. I think it's important. I think I, I agree with you. Um, I also wonder, though, and this is me and people can disagree, I think that there are some people who wear their natural hair because it makes a statement. They feel liberated. Yep. That's, right? that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying. They're breaking the generational curses of, of not wanting to have to go to the um, hair salon and um, get the hair primed straight, you know, unless they want to. They have a choice. It's a choice. Yeah. It's not like when uh, they had to make the choice, they were trying to make black people change their natural hairstyles at work. And you right. had to fight and wear your hair natural. So they fought, black people fought for their right to wear the hair they, how they want to, straight, curly, naughty, however. But, you know, it's a shame that you have to go to work and fight for how you choose to look. So by everybody banding together and communities coming together, you know, we was able to overcome that. And that's broke that generational curse of wanting that white baby dog with the blue eyes and the blonde hair. Now when a black person, if they want some, you know, or any race, I'm just saying black because, you know, I am. And if they choose to have the blonde hair, then that's their choice. Or the purple hair or the green hair or the pink hair. Right, or the pink. I like pink. I'm doing mine pink. But yeah, you know, whichever choice, 
you make now. So mm-hmm. it is, I believe, I do see some of the curses being broken in the cycles, being broken because more and more young people are trying, you know. They want to wear gray hair. They want to wear gray hair. Yeah, they want to wear the gray hair, you know. But um, I, it's a lot. It is a lot. I am concerned. I know James has his hand up. I'm concerned that um, part in that mix, I I have encountered people who look like they get out of bed and they go. There's no, there's no calming. There's no nothing. And I'm wondering if that is a part of I don't know cognitive dis. I don't know what that is, but I don't know how that can be perceived as pride. Linda, white people are doing that, too. They're getting out of bed, and they're going on. Listen, that doesn't make it okay. No, it don't make it okay, but it's like... It makes me me wonder. It just makes me wonder, like, where the... what That just makes me... It makes me pause, that's all. Yeah. I know Jimmy had his hand up. Yes, I did. Because when we're talking about our style and our hair, you know what I mean? Do you remember the little girl? They turn around, and they actually want to expel her because she came to school with her hair in cornrows. Yeah. The two girls, remember they turned around? They wanted, was, uh, when yes. was this? When was this? They wanted to expel them because they said it was inappropriate hmm. to come to school that way. What school is this? This is 2020. This is 2020. What's it? This happened in 2023. Oh. Well, or maybe 22, but I remember that case. Yeah. Hmm. They had to go to a whole fiasco. And you know what them girls went through? I, I think, think that was in a, a, I think it was in a, what, like, what the fifth, sixth grade, a form of systemic racism. That's it was a form definitely of was. racism. That's all. Yeah, and something we should not have had. They should not have had to deal with. No, but they did, mm-hmm. and so it just speaks to the insidiousness of of the trauma of the generational systemic racism. It it's, must have been a, a private school or something, was it? Um, I think it was no, a. It was a public school. It was not private. It was a wow. public school. Okay. Hmm. It was not private. It was public. They stepped on their they stepped on their, their, their rights. Their, their, yeah. Their they stepped on yeah. their rights. They yeah. were public school. Wow. But they did go to court and they did win their case. Good. Very good. See, that's what they could do. They're they've been empowered to do that. Yeah. So why do we have to go through that? I know. It's it's yeah, why? It's a quick big question. Well we know, we know we know listen, still Systemic racism is still alive and strong, and it's and it's continuing mm-hmm. the pattern, and the trauma is, is growing. But and the good thing it about it, though, the good thing okay. I always like to look at the both sides. The good thing yeah. about it is that we now have laws, and we can use them. We just have to know how to go about it, you know, to but bring. I mean, this. we should have had to have a law to exactly. where I, in our natural state and. Like you said, it's just another form of racism. It's another way that they just try to keep us in line with with what they want. Um, yeah, and, and that, and even that, like with these children, and you said um, that they're going out and their hair's not combed. Um, there was a time, if you go back to pictures like the 1950s and 60s, it was normal. It was expected that everybody get dressed and you're basically almost in your Sunday best just to go to the grocery store. The problem now is that the Coke and crack pandemic came. And so that messed up the black family. All the black men were gone. Now the black women are strung out on drugs. And now you have these children that are out here trying to raise themselves. Yeah. And then in doing that, there was a whole lot of other foolishness going on. Now you have babies 
that are having babies that are trying to raise babies. Mm-hmm. And that sense of pride, that sense of family, that sense of bond and respect that was once instilled in the black family was now gone. And that too was all by design. So even that is hysterical trauma, right? Yeah, yeah. And so how do we do that? Like some of these things said, there's um, cultural connections. We can do things like this. There's therapeutic support um, and counseling, which I think everybody needs counseling, regardless if you was experienced something that was traumatic or you feel like you've had like the best life in the world. Everybody needs therapy. Everybody there needs that sound ground grounding ear that's unbiased to help you kind of process and understand um, things. So, yeah, well like I, I really appreciate the community connections. I know the therapeutic counseling. I don't want to take over the <laughs> the presentation. But you're um, saying Linda, good you can, things. You can see it, it. It's, it's all by design. Like none of this is coincidental. None of these things that are happening are like, oh, my God, we just stumbled upon this because as a people, we didn't know that right. it's yeah. not that's not the case. Right. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And we thank you, Lakia. Um, and you know the work that we do confronting so um, it's in Copeland Palmer Group. It's a, it's a group of us. It's not me. I, like I put these powerpoints together, but I truly, the team truly believes that that learning goes on when we are working together. We're learning with and from each other, right? Um, the like I was listening. Sorry, I was listening to a podcast, and they I think they, they said it right. Um, we're all connected, right? And life is an a energy, and you have rays. And every now the mindset is, I, I can do this. I can do this. I, I, I. And all actuality, everything was meant to be a team, right? The best builders, the if you look at the ants, like we should be following them. No ant is strong by themselves. They have a whole team, a colony that builds, um, and their structure is basically is soundproof. It's just because they're a smaller being that it, it's not you know large like this. But you can't do anything by yourself. Everything is a team. You have to have a community, a group that works together for a common goal and a common purpose. And as Black people, if we could get past our own personal wants and desires, our own personal like hiccups and prejudice, we could be a great people. We are a great people. Like our ancestors have shown us that we just need to get out of our own way and be able to acknowledge like, okay, my sister might know. Thank you, Isabel. Psalms um, 133, we need unity. Like we all have to work together. We should be diligent as lifting our brothers and our sisters up. We need to be intentional in the music that we need. We, um, yes. The last meeting that we had for Confronting and Justin, we spoke about affirmations. And I don't know if you guys follow Linda on Facebook, but she also put up a post, an affirmation versus a New Year's resolution. We should all be practicing affirmations. Affirmations should be one of the things that's on here because we can speak this into our community. If you know better, you do better. You talk to your children, you raise these young boys to teach them how to be a man, to teach them what respect is, to teach them what family value is. We can't change the world, but if we change ourselves and we start building a community, we can eventually change enough that we can make a difference. But we can't, it's not an I thing, it's a we, it's a us. And like she said, the confronting injustice, all this, although she's putting a presentation together, 
this is a community um, event. This is, it takes all of us. We need the feedback from everybody. We need participation. We need understanding. I, my journey is not your journey. Help me to understand it so I'll have a different perspective and be able to move forward and, and we can grow as a community. Thank you, Okay, I couldn't have said it any better. You're absolutely right. I've been in conversation with Robert, yes. with Taylor, with Jamie, with, with me, Kier, Dr. Shirley. With, with um Shirley. Listen, this is we learn from each other. The best way to learn is in community. Do your research. Yeah. Being in isolation, we are social beings, right? Being in we are way more likely to heal together than alone. Mm-hmm. Being in community. Being in community, research has really has very clearly demonstrated is a much better way to heal than taking medication, right? We have to be open to learning with and from each other and hearing things that may be a bit uncomfortable, but knowing that you're not by yourself. Isabel, how are you? It's nice to see you again. Oh, sorry. I just keep putting stuff in the chat because I'm I see, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I'm fired up, and and I need to you know, like share the good news about what he had done for me. And I did counseling back in 2015, but right here in my room, October 20 this last year, October 22, right here in my room, he came to me, and I, I and I was using sage, and I was and I wrote in the journal, please God help me take my traumas away. I didn't know it was Jesus that delivered me. He, he told me this back in August Amen. of twenty of twenty three. But He had delivered me. I I feel free. But together, I just wanted to jump on not to tell my testimony one day maybe. But a Psalm one thirty three says, "Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brother brethren to dwell together in unity. If it's like the." Precious oil upon the head, running down on the on the beard, in the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of the har- harbor. I can't say the word. Descended upon the mountain of Zion, for the, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. We are the child of God. We are the children of God. Yes. Okay, so we and we are from Zion. So let, let's let, let's seek G. Let's seek Him, the Mighty God. He. We can't do this alone. Okay. That's what I find out. I can't. I had to let Him deliver me from a lot of more things because I couldn't do it alone. We need Him to 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 change this world. Yes, Isabel. I, I have. To we say. cannot do this without Him. And I'm 41, and I just found Okay. Amen, Isabel. I, time, I was broken. You know how many traumas I had? He revealed to me. He revealed to me the um, the like the, the vision of when I was sixteen. I, I went to a party. I didn't know better. They had drugged me. They, it was multiple people. He showed it to me. And I'm sorry if I'm the I, I, no, I'm no, he, trauma. Keep going. But. but He's the only healer and the deliverer of us. Yeah. And, 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 and I've been reading, I'm sorry to, to take it over, but... It, That's okay. Like, like, I've been reading Old Testament. Do you know he gave, he told, he, told, he told Paul to go get the Gentiles, to make the Israelites jealous because he wanted Israelites to get salvation, but they didn't believe in, in Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Okay, but about this obedience that we've been going through, this generation after generation after generation, we was born into sin. It's not our fault that we've been traumatized. Right. Exactly. And we, need, we need him to help us. And, and, let, let, me, God. Yeah, and let me say, right, we're wounded, but we're not broken. We're wounded, no, and, and this is the hour. He, he's pouring out his spirit. You take it. Take it. Yeah, you, and, and, and don't think about it. Just take it. Respect me. Let's be respectful of the time we have. Um, I wanna, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. no, 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 no. Isabel, I, listen. This is a community where people can can share, and I hear your passion. There's no doubt. I don't want anyone to leave here thinking, "Oh, we didn't get to what we can do about this, right?" And so you introduced you. She entered the spiritual part. She entered the in the uh, spiritual, yeah. And so you introduced one thing that people can do, mm-hmm. and that might be foundational for people, right? Mm-hmm. Tap into your spirit and your beliefs, and go to the Bible. Right. Amen. That's what I'm saying is your contribution. Right. They and let's go through these others. Um, I always encourage people, you know, get therapy, go get counseling if you can. That's ideal. Right. But that's not the end all be all because but that's an option. Right. And there's cultural connection or reconnection. I'm not sure that it's a reconnection because we presupposes that there was something there before. Right. But you want to. um Embrace your cultural heritage, engage in activities that celebrate your cultural identity, such as learning traditional practices, right? Participating in community events, connecting with elders who can share their cultural wisdom. These are things that you want to do that are important to you. That's part of the healing, right? And the impact is cultivating a sense of cultural pride, strengthening your resilience, providing a source of support, and fostering a positive connection to one's roots, right? All of these contribute to your overall wellness. And then community connections and support. The action, what can you do? Engage in supportive community, communities or support groups that focus on healing from historical trauma. Yeah. There are support groups, right? Share experiences, listen to others, and build connections with individuals who understand the complexities of the journey. That's part of the healing. The impact from that? is community support fosters a sense of belonging. It reduces isolation and provides a platform for sharing, healing, right? You have to be engaged. No man is an island. Can't, it's not likely that it'll happen by itself. We are communal beings. We need to be a community. The mind-body practices, the action, what can you do? Incorporate mind-body practices in your routine. Develop a routine such as mindfulness, meditation, yoga, you know, um, adapt, develop um, affirmations that are specific to you and your needs and your understanding and where you want to go, right? We talked about that last, um, we talked about that at our last meeting. But the impact, mind-body practices contributes to overall well-being by addressing the interconnectedness of mental health, emotion, and physical health. They offer tools for managing stress and promoting a sense of balance. That's major. Right. So you see in each of these, there's something that you can do. And this is what will come as a result of that action. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing about this trauma? These are some of the things, education and empowerment. What can you do? Educate yourself. Do some reading. Start getting involved in a study group, a book club. 
right? Um, educate yourself about historical um, trauma and its impact on, on you as an individual, your community, your family, right? Understand the roots of the experiences and challenge the negative narratives. We have, listen, we've been socialized. You have all this historical trauma, what's the bottom line? We have to question everything, even what we think of ourselves. Where did that come from? Question everything. Do your research, right? Think outside the box. Be involved with people who are are like-minded, right? Education can be powerful. It can be a powerful tool for reclaiming your narrative or rewriting your narrative. This is an opportunity for you to decide who you want to be, right? How you want to walk in the world, not based on how you've been socialized, right? But based on your research, based on your understanding, based on your under, your um, interaction with the elders or, you know, you do what you can. This is an opportunity for you to recreate yourself because the people that we are, we have to question because there's nothing in this society, very few things. There are more things in this society that have said, have given us negative messages than positive. Our brain has the capacity to be rewired, right? We have these negative um subconscious thoughts that dictate how we walk in the world, we can reprogram those thoughts. It is up to us. We can do that or we can choose not to, but it is up to us, right? So what are some things that you can do about all the awful things that happen to us? Recognize your resilience, right? Recognize that the melanin in your skin is... It's like the magic. It's like what is it? I don't know. It's magic. It's like gold. It's gold. Right, right. It's G O L D gold. There you go. But we are resilient beyond measure. If nothing else, our history teaches us we've come this far, and we're still we're alive, we're well, we're thriving, we're doing well. The reason why I said that about the gold is 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 this because this I, I I put the question to the Lord, Lord. What is it about being an African-American in this time, a person with color, doesn't necessarily have to be African-American, but brown skin. What is it you, you like about brown skin? And he showed me the melanin. It protects from the sun, physical, all right? And, um, and you know, he was you know, from the Middle East. He didn't have white skin. He had brown, tannish skin, right? There was wow. things that we carry, all right, um, in our DNA, that the enemy of our soul, I'm going to say Satan, wants us to, you know, despise. But it says somewhere in the scripture that the Lord loves brown, you know, like dark skin, you know, where where his, you know, it was in one of the books, I think it was the Song of Solomon, you know. Um, thank you for sharing that. Okay, I just wanted we, to share that. I, we, before we close, um, let me, I want people to be clear about I have my hand up. I wanted to make a comment. Okay. Absolutely. I'm sorry I didn't see it. Go ahead. Um, so I wanted to comment earlier about how people, yes, need community, but where is the community? Like, That's right. we don't just need to listen to our elders because now we have new information. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it takes both sides. Yes, the young people need the older people, but the older people need to be humble. Because the only way to grow, you have to learn. So how can you learn if I'm not allowed to share my experience? Mm -hmm. So like we can sit here and talk about this stuff, but are we all, like let's do self-checks. Like are we all in a position to hear the truth about how we hurt people and what we did to them? 
Because we can sit here and say, oh, we've been traumatized. Mm -hmm. But it's, you already know, you're getting whatever you put out. That's right. So although you've been traumatized, have you done the work to stop yourself from traumatizing other people? Because if you haven't done the work, naturally, you will. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. So um, I'm I'm reading this book, and it talks about how we should be cell-like. The cells in our body do so many different things, Mm -hmm. but they do operate in a community with a community um, like mentality kind of. So that was interesting to me. And then it made me think like, well, what are our gifts? What do we all have to offer to this community? What can we do to not just sit here and talk about it, but what can we put together and offer? Like, how can we exercise that we're actually learning or, you know, growing or, you know, just, I don't know, mm-hmm. what can we do? And I was just curious, maybe everyone can share their gift or next time we meet, everyone can share their gift and what they have to offer. Because you can't expect to get something if you never give nothing. Yeah. So we want to heal and we want to move forward on our journey. But what what are our libations? What are we offering? What are we sacrificing to receive this? Yeah. Um, Amen. Amen too. <laughs> I know with Isabel, I, I, I was like, I'm, I'm following her journey because it's similar to mine. And, you know, it's a combination of Holy Spirit speaking and going to the um, healthy, healthy groups for group support and, and, and asking and just trusting God in, in all that. There's that part, leaning on, on our own understanding, trusting in the path that he has for us in this. Thank you. Um, and I, I just want to just jump in real quick. We cannot, we don't be like, we have to speak. We have to be on uncomfortable conversation. We need to have this done. And we, you know, and, and don't be apologetic at all. Mm-hmm. We got, we're going to dismantle the structure of racism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, we have a closing, but before we do the closing, let's talk about um, the announcements. We meet on the first and the last Wednesday of the month, first month, First Wednesday of the month is trauma-related. The last Wednesday of the month is post-incarceration syndrome, and issues related to that. Um, keep an eye out for the monthly newsletter. There's a newsletter that goes out each month as a precursor to each meeting. Um, the idea is that you read the newsletter, and it will give you some insight into the topic. You're always encouraged to do your own research so, so that we can have rich conversations. Again, it's about learning with and from each other, right? And we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to share, right? And my my being familiar with restorative justice, people generally don't share if they don't feel comfortable, right? So we want people to feel comfortable speaking. So we want to be mindful of that. We talked about affirmations and we agreed that we would um, create um, a few that tailor to our needs and our, our concerns and then we would practice them. And at the and then when we meet again at the end of the month, we'll talk about, we'll share our affirmations. And then the last announcement before like Anastasia closes is um, our next month, the beginning of next month, we're talking about the ACE, ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. It's a test. Um, and I encourage each of you to take the test, go online, take it. It's just a series of questions and assesses your level of, trauma, traumatic experiences. And based on the number that you come up with, it aligns with, um, it'll tell you what some of the um, effects are. Like early childhood experience, adverse childhood experiences um, correlate with adult um, health outcomes. 
It's a very well-known test developed by a woman of color. Just look it up, ACEs exam, take it, and come prepared to um, talk about that. In fact, we are going to meet on Tuesday, January 16th, Tuesday. Taylor, what was that? Can you tell us about that for a minute? And then we're going to have Anastasia close. Um, I was thinking that we can check in on Tuesday and have like a talk about it Tuesday where everyone shares their results, of course, only if you're comfortable. But um, let's like I want to take this a step further so that we can all heal, you know, like I don't want to just come and talk about trauma all the time. <laughs> Me personally, like I would like to just kind of move forward. Like what does life after look like? What does building community, you know, with other trauma survivors look like? I don't think it has to be. You know, like, I don't know. I just know that it's possible like and I would dread. like to be a part of the move on from trauma. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I agree with what Kia had to say as well. I do think it's important to take a self-journey, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, that's different for everybody. But I do think that is something that is very important. I do think there's an element of... Um, acknowledgement, um, deep acknowledgement, like, you know, and not that you have to do it in front of everybody, but I think it's important to do it to the people that you hurt for sure. And, um, and I think to do that, you know, it takes some time. It takes, I don't, uh, you know, my, you know, as far as, you know, how I feel, I think it takes, you know, a deep, um, journey with, with yourself and, digging deep and really um, looking at some things that, you know, I think is individual for each and every person. You know, so, ain't no game. But, and it takes having difficult conversations and, and having, mm-hmm. yes, God at the forefront. Of course. Okay, great. We're going to have Lex, we're going to have Anastasia close because I'm really mindful of the time. And I have to say, Jamie, that um, People, you, you you don't want to, no one wants to kind of struggle through anything alone because typically learning takes place and, I mean, everyone has to do their own work. Everyone has their own individual journey. Mm-hmm. Typically, it doesn't happen alone. You need to consult with people. You need to be sharing. You need to be listening. You need to be... Well, I mean, not stuff. on a platform. Not everybody is one to do their journey on a platform. You right. know, like, yeah, yeah. there That's are tools true. and outlets and, you know, therapists and all of these different good Absolutely. things that are out there. So I don't mean like, you know, sitting in the dark room alone, but <laughs> I mean, you know, just how, mm-hmm. whatever that journey looks like for you, you know, a self journey is needed. To the individual. All right. Just mindful of time. Okay. Anastasia, are you ready? Anastasia. Yes. And we're having Anastasia do this because in the black tradition, intergenerational, we, our children, our babies need to be right here or in earshot because that's how they're going to grow. That's how they're going to learn. That's how they're going to develop critical thinking skills. So Anastasia, do you want to tell us how old you are before you do the closing? Um. Yes, Um. I'm 11 years old. Okay. And I'm going, and I'm going to be... And I'm going to be, um, I'm just telling you something that I, that I had in mind, um, when I was at the car and I was thinking, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about history and about what all, um, the things people and books are. Like ancestors. Our ancestors and like famous people, like my daughter King, I was thinking about them and they're actually encouraging. So this is what I wrote. 
everybody in history has to go through something in order for us to to all be alive. Of course, life is not going to be easy for us because we have to go through tough choices that we do not want to make, and we like to go through the easy path, bef- easy the easy path before the hard path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was just from a conversation that we were having. I asked Anastasia, like, what thoughts come to mind when you think about history and just trauma and the things that we go through? And that those were two things that stood out to me. So I had wrote them down. And like she said, everybody in history had to go through something in order for us to be alive. And I was like, wow, for her to say that, like, that's resilience. That means we are all, all products of resilience. That's right. So that means it's, in our, it's already in our DNA to be survivors. We just got to tap into it. There you and go. And also, she said, of course, life is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, obviously. So a lot of us need to just shift our perspectives. Mm-hmm. Because how could you possibly think everything is going to be peaches and cream if you come from a line of trauma and well, resilience and survival? Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and I believe I believe you you need an applause on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I also when we are born, don't we go through trauma? The baby goes through trauma, going through the birth canal, and the mother goes yeah. through trauma. So without trauma, there's no growth. Man. Yeah. So and then mm-hmm. she also came up with two affirmations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was going to exercise with the affirmation. So you um. You inhale while you say the affirmation. You can either visualize it or say it out loud, and you're going to exhale. But she has two affirmations, right? Go ahead. Okay, so... Look at the camera. Okay, so the words that I picked were... It's right here. Okay. Okay, there was a resilient and capable. Those are the two words I picked. The whole effort. You can go ahead and do the breathing exercise now. Okay. So what you do is you breathe in while you say the word, or you can just say it in your head. Okay. So inhale. Okay. Right, do you want them to say I am resilient or just resilient? You can say like I am. Which resilient. one do you want them to say? Because you're leading this. I will recommend saying I'm resilient and I'm capable. Okay. So we're gonna inhale and say I am resilient. I am. And you visualize, visualize that coming to you, entering your eyes. Like you see the words getting closer to you as you inhale. I am resilient. I am resilient. Now we're going to exhale. Yes. Okay. And then inhale with I am capable. I am capable. I am capable. Yep. Exhale. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, if you haven't made the baby girl, thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And if you haven't written that affirmation, you can. I'm sure Anastasia won't mind if you borrow those two, right? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for thank yeah, you. Are we gonna get our affirmations um, sent to us through the tel- you know the telephone numbers we? Set, remember somebody was yeah i'm still working on that all righty okay can i put my phone number in the in the chat yes yeah. yeah thank you so much it was a little over but um hmm we'll be more, mm-hmm. be more mindful of that so thank you very much and i will see you if you log in on the 17th tuesday 
I'm talking about the eighth. Take care and um and we'll see you on the it's the sixteenth, Tuesday, the January sixteenth. Okay. I just put my number in if you guys could add my number. Great. Okay. And if you have trouble getting the ACE report, you can Google it. If you have difficulty, let me know. Was it ACE's exam? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Anastasia. Thank you, Anastasia. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. Everybody. All right. Have Thank a good night. Everybody. everybody from my Sankofa family. I also part of the chaplain's family, so that's where we get, you know, I get right training, but it's just really beautiful to be able to be here with you all. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. God bless you. This song is dedicated to my son, Joshua Francis, who sits in the presence of the Lord. You are not hidden. There's never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not hopeless. Though you've been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear you wrestle with your SOS. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. There is no distance that cannot be covered over and over. You're not defenseless. I'll be your shelter. I'll be your armor. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hottest fight. It's true. I will rescue you. I hear the whisper underneath your breath I hear you saying you have nothing left I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night it's true I will rescue you I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hottest fight is true I will rescue you oh love he
It's the new, new bear witness. Hey, yo, ask anybody. I love the West Coast, but I replace the West Coast in my heart. I replace that gang talk in my heart with Jesus. Jesus show me love I never felt before. Took me out the gang life. Told me all about my boys. Witchcraft, make a blood, do the blood walk. Go, go, quick walk. Get retarded, take innocent lives, shoot up police departments Cookie Williams arms in the prison Now you see the wrong in living Without Jesus Christ, you'll never witness the God I visit I cried nights because a decade I was always rapping Jesus loves still like a Smith and Wesson And he shoot accurate if you get the blessing Let the Holy Spirit miracle give you spiritual Cause you been falling off every second Since the day I met you 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 Through the darkness, God showed me every light I'm respected by the generals of every type I got respect from every rapper who hold the mic God trust me to show them Jesus Christ God trust me to show them Jesus Christ Through the darkness, God showed me every light I'm respected by the generals of every type I got respect from every rapper who hold the mic God trust me to show them Jesus Christ God trust me to show them Jesus Christ I'm like Jesus in the flesh if you talking fresh Jesus in the spirit cause you wanna hear it Christ on the cross, you thought we took a loss? I sacrificed the old me for better bars Been witness my slave name, Kabir Jamal My pop set him on the right track Before he died of that heart attack, he knew I'd fight back I wrote this my father, he did right back He was pointing me to God, how you Christians like that? Don't judge like the Bible Ain't the story of the map, God's plan, Jesus Christ came back and he black And he black Black, 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 black Through the darkness, God showed me every light I'm respected by the generals of every type I got respect from every rapper who hold the mic God trust me to show them Jesus Christ God trust me to show them Jesus Christ Through the darkness, God showed me every light I'm respected by the generals of every type for the kingdom. Let music be your medicine. The sweet music here that softer falls as sun falls still waters near the waterfalls. Seven river streams come together. Seven river streams come together. Surging waters flow from paradise Hell rages when we fight with the everlight 
Weary souls, we bring them back to life with the everlight, with the everlight. Let the light burn, let the everlight burn, let the light burn, let the everlight burn. Bring them back to life with the everlight, bring them back to life with the everlight. I was deceived by the shade, like the Pied Piper who played. A sultry song, irresistible, irreversible, they say. A land where all things always seem the same A land without angels, why they call it L.A. Dark faces pale against our rosy flame The mild-eyed, melancholy, loaded cedars came I'm Trying to teach y'all how to change the game While well, they distract from the youth, they obscuring the truth Assassinating like weapons that shoot They waging a war against your mind proof Poof! Lying and stealing and robbing us blind Then they smile with sharp teeth while we sign on their dotted line It's not right Warriors return from war when the kingdom's compromised I fought in a whole other land, now I'm back to my home on the coast side I've fought on the seven mountains I've climbed In fact, I've even died seven different times Had to put my broken body in the seven rivers Just to bring me back to life Seven different times When the Ankata hit my veins The nectar of the Everlight Seven different times Brought my weary soul back to life Restored my sound and my sight Now back in my suit of armor run, I'm ready to ride Let's find the prisoners of war And bring them back alive with the Everlight The sweet music here, the softer falls As some fall still in waters near the waterfalls Seven river streams come together Seven river streams come together Surging waters flow from paradise Hell rages when we fight with the everlight Weary souls, we bring them back to life With the everlight, with the everlight Autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder that occurs in one out of 54 children. As the prevalence of autism increases, it is even more important to know the red flags so that early identification can occur. Hi, I'm Dr. Shirley Cannon. Thank you for listening.